Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Tech Talk. Although, I guess, uh, Scott, you had recently renamed it, and we'll get to that in a moment, but uh, this is the officially unofficial Transformers TCG podcast talk show. Um, we have a, a bunch of stuff to go over today, but I figure might as well start with the usual introductions. I'm joined, as always, by my other host, Scott of VectorSigma.info. How you doing, Scott? Good. So how much Transformering did you get done this week? Um, so I played Steel Deck last week, um, and I posted some more articles, did the podcast posting, and, uh, yeah, pretty much that was pretty much it. Started another article. That's about it. That's fair. So, uh, I did actually get the opportunity to play last night, actually, in a constructed event. Not, well, I was about to say not too far from me, but it actually was pretty far, given traffic. Uh, but that's the sacrifice you make for dedication to the game, I guess. Yeah, that store, unfortunately, while it has a lot of people that show up, it, it's it's extremely... It, it's not a distance far, it's it's a traffic far. Yes, absolutely, yeah. it uh, It's something that's a manageable drive, but realistically, this is going to be a challenge going forward. But they are running some, I guess, more core events, we'll call them that, where it's Instead of, I guess, your regular weekly event, it's intended to be a larger deal. And the first one of that is actually tomorrow. So I plan on making another trip out there, and hopefully we can get a good turnout for that. Yeah, I'm not sure if I can go. I don't, I don't think I can. So. Uh, that, well, at the very least, we'll be seeing you at PAX, and hopefully there'll be other stuff popping up. There, real quick for everybody out there, listener-wise, there has been some... I guess, interesting news related to organized play, but a lot of it's speculation and rumors at this point. There's nothing really official. So we're kind of taking the stance uh, that we've had before. You've heard us say on other shows of talk to your local store, let them know you're interested. Hopefully we can get some kind of grassroots thing going. And from what I saw yesterday and at the sealed events that uh, both you and I have been at and other ones, we're getting pretty solid turnouts at every event. Have you only been able to do the one, Scott, or have you gotten to do multiple? No, I went to the um, the release event at All the King's Men also. So I went to, like, the weekend they came out. Okay. It was a sealed deck release event, so I went to that as well. Awesome. How was the, I think you'd mentioned it before, but how was the turnout for that one? I want to say we had 15 or 16 people. That's a lot. More, maybe. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. I mean, it is the release event, but at the same time, it's good to get double-digit numbers, especially consistently. Yeah, and there, it seems like there, it seems like some of the events I go to, there's consistently a pocket of the population that isn't there for whatever reason, even though they <clears throat> live within a distance. Like just life, basically happening. Or other games are still committed to, right? Um, going on. So, like in the end. Um, there's other reasons that, that, you know, we could have probably 20 people at some of these events if everybody that we know and is our acquaintances with would show up. Right. Um, so I'm not worried about like, especially in our area, things going on just because of the activity that, that there is on various Facebook feeds and at, at different stores, uh, throughout the area. Right. And it is something that has been brought up before that, the game appears, at least at this point in time, to be skewing to an older audience. So, as you said, 
real life tends to get in the way. People that are getting up there in years or farther up there in years than we used to be and real life responsibilities show up, unfortunately. Yeah. So that's the issue I'm having with, you know, tomorrow or like I have class on Wednesday, so there's no way I'd ever, ever be able to make that on Wednesdays. Right, people, so. right. I'm hoping that a lot more things pop up because as those events pop up, it'll draw more people in and then that way we can get, you know, more consistent things going. So if you miss one week, oh, well, hey, I'll make it next week or, you know, the, if it's every other week, whatever the schedule happens to be. Uh, so everybody out there listening, definitely talk to your local stores. Try and see if, you know, just ask around, see if there's anybody else interested in playing because at the end of the day, if they aren't aware of the interest, they're not going to know. I mean, I know some of the people that I've spoken with were genuinely surprised that there were so many people that wanted to jump on this game so quickly. Yeah, I don't think it's... I'm, I don't know. I'm, I guess there's always going to be a segment of people that are just surprised when people gravitate towards new games regardless, instead of just playing ones that already exist. So I right. think that's probably part of it. Um, I think... I think a lot of the people that I've seen playing this are ones that I've seen from other, like, non-Magic games, I guess you could say, that, that have been floating around other things that just haven't come to fruition or did for a bit and then kind of died off for various reasons. So right. it doesn't surprise me that I'm seeing those those people um, gravitate towards this. Yeah, and it obviously has a nostalgia factor, and it has the big names behind it, both from the actual IP, but also from a design perspective. Yeah, I think it's just, a, and I think it's just a good game. So exactly, and it, it is something that it, the more I play it, the more I try and build decks, the more I'm impressed by all the different options and the depth. I mean, when you and I were testing the other day, even just briefly, it was oh well, that's a really cool interaction. Oh well, what about this thing? Well, maybe if I change these numbers ever so slightly it has this long-reaching impact. There's there's a lot more depth than I think people are giving it credit for. And in a lot of the community videos, a lot of the community efforts in general, I think people are finally, maybe not finally coming to that realization, but it's eye-opening even when you went in with the expectation that there was something there. Yeah, it seems to me like, I mean, there's a lot of people that are skewing towards the obvious decks or the obvious play plays but i've started to see more um more stuff crop crop up more videos crop up about like unique builds that are not necessarily like the obvious team-based things and and right. you know that are three seemingly you know characters that have nothing to do with one another but they all do certain things well together and, and things like that so right um you know i i feel like there's there's definitely more there that I think people are giving it credit for um, in certain situations, but I do think like you know it's always going to be smart to play against the the obvious things. I think that's where a lot of people are probably going to you know go in the early going. Oh, of course, and it it only makes sense that you're presented with these options, so that's where people are going to gravitate towards first. Now, speaking yeah. of, I guess we'll call them good stuff teams or just you know generically good teams. You actually introduced a guest columnist this week. Yeah. So one tell, of my teammates. Yeah. Okay. I uh, I don't recognize his name from before. Maybe I should. Uh, but I read what was on there. It's definitely very interesting, and it's a theory. I guess if you want to call it a theory, but it's a, it's a unique idea that's presented because, as we were just saying, 
people are normally going to go, oh, well, I'll just throw all the Dinobots together. And all these cards say they, they require Dinobots, so bam, sleeve them up and go. This presents a much different tact. Uh, is this something that you had helped him construct this idea, or was it just something he had presented and said, hey, I want to write about this? Yeah, um, so John is my friend from high school. Um, he, like, we started playing Magic together way back in the day, but then we eventually, he eventually went off on the, um, he played Legend of the Five Rings really competitively for a lot of years, um, and then um, he he's still playing Game of Thrones really competitively, second edition. So, like, we kind of split there. We, we played Game of Thrones together for a bit. Um, but then when I showed him this, um, like, he came to the release event with me, and, then like, we've been playtesting and things like that. Um, nice. This article just showed up in my inbox, to be honest with you. I didn't even know he was writing it. Like, <laughs> okay. He, like, he messaged me on, I guess it was, like, Tuesday morning. He was like, here, I have something for you. And he just, like, there it was. So I just had to edit it and add the pictures and add the little bio and all that. And it was good to go. So I think it really just came from conversations that we we had, mm -hmm. um, whether in person or whether on Facebook, and uh, the theory just developed from there. So I mean, he he's good with numbers too, and he he understands the concept of basically like just it's it's basically a good stuff deck. I mean, just right. play the best guys at every cost until you get to twenty five. You know, have four guys so that you're always. Um, you're probably going to go last regardless. You're going to gain extra efficiency that way. Yep. Um, I, I mean, we never play tested this deck or anything like that. I think it's, it's mostly theory based. Um, but I think it just shows, you know, without rares, without, without character rares and super rares and things like that, that there's still viability to it. Even when you're not playing team specific things or anything like that. Makes sense. And it is something that I think people will eventually move towards over time. Naturally, things like cars or Dinobots or whatever are not going to completely fall out of favor. They're, the power level's there. But over time, as people realize what the interactions are, we'll see more of these, I expect. I know personally I'm working on a few. Most of them are pretty terrible right now. <laughs> so I may steal John's list and just try and shuffle that up and see how it goes. Uh but right now, I'm definitely interested. Are you intending to have more guest articles moving forward? Is he going to contribute more? Yeah, he's working on an article now. We we discussed a like a, a white base deck for like using Mirage, and we originally the reason why we didn't push that even further was because um, it was based on Jazz Mirage and Dark Mount as the finisher. Okay. Um, but the problem was we kind of forgot that Energon Axe just randomly also gives you Pierce because, like, whoever uses it for that. And that kind of just, like, completely destroys Jazz because his ability doesn't kick in on defense if, you, if your opponent has Pierce. So it's like, yes, he still soaks up a couple hits, and yes, he'll probably still wind up being in the deck, but it's not as competitive as we thought, but it's still, there still might be something there. So he's working on that deck list next. Right. Well, I'm looking forward to that as well as the other stuff that you guys are going to put up, or if you have any other surprise guest writers in the waiting in the wings, because uh, I know personally, I do enjoy written content, even though it's kind of fallen out of favor in general, uh, not specifically for this game, obviously, but videos and that sort of thing seem to have uh, won the day to some extent. Yeah, I mean, there's still, for most gaming, most games out there, there's the most popular sites can still be written content. I, I just find it easier to collect my thoughts um, and present, like, a 
a logical argument for one way or the other, however, whatever is going on in the article, right. just by being forced to organize my thoughts in a, in a, I would say in a smaller way, but those that read my articles know they're not exactly small. <laughs> so, um, but in a more logical way with like, right. back, I, I feel like I have to back up my facts more from on the written perspective because it's always going to be there, even though I know like you can just go find this podcast or go find this video and right. prove me wrong in two years or, or two days or, or whatever. But I just <laughs> feel like for some reason, I just feel like the written word, you have to justify your position more. And so that's why I'm always bringing math in for that medium, just because I, I guess it, it, it might not be true that you have to, quote unquote, but I feel like I have to. So, Well, I also personally find it a much better reference tool. Uh, so I, it's been, I've more than once gone back and said, well, wait a minute, what about, what did that exactly did that chart say? Whereas skipping around in a video is much more challenging depending on where I physically am, obviously, or where, where what I'm trying to do. So I do appreciate the written content, and hopefully everybody else out there, if you haven't already, head over to VectorSigma.info. If you're listening to this I, or watching this, I have a hard time believing that you aren't already aware. But just in case, go check it out or follow them on Twitter. You'll see it on the rotating banner up at the top, or uh, it's VectorSigmaI on or at VectorSigmaI on Twitter. Let us know in general what sort of content you want to see, whether on the site or on the show, because... We're definitely all ears. We're going to be going into upgrades a little in a few minutes, and then eventually actions probably in our next episode. But after that, we while we have some ideas, we're definitely open to what the community wants to hear about. Yeah, you can always drop us a line on that website or uh, directly, or we have our own Facebook page as well where we just kind of just promote the content. But you can always just reach out to myself. Um, I'm pretty active in the the larger transformers trading card game facebook groups um both the u.s one the localized ones and the um the main one quote unquote that has like the most people in it um but you can there's many different ways to reach me people via me people emailed me like however you want to reach out to me i'm usually available yeah you're usually way more active than i am on facebook i've never been a huge fan i guess maybe to my own detriment uh But I've always stuck more to Twitter or Discord myself. But, uh, yeah, Facebook seems to be the central hub, especially since that's where the official rulings are getting posted for the most part. Although they have mentioned before that they're going to get them out eventually. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, I find it easier just to follow a conversation on Facebook than on, like, on Discord because like, you could be responding to somebody, like, from three hours ago or something like that. So right. Find it easier to and it's very easy when you have, you know, a hundred people talking to lose something in a conversation. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's fair. So uh, moving on from there though. So we talked about the guest article. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out since you also added a deck list section and some of your own, as well as ones from legendary wolf games. Uh, I know TCG rollout and wreck and rule and a bunch of the other, YouTube community members, I guess we'll call them. Some of the other big community members for this game are do, now moving into deck lists and strategy and gameplay videos. Uh, so are you planning on actively maintaining that deck list section or is it kind of, you know, it's mostly going to be your stuff and then if you see something cool, throw it on there? Yeah, the latter. So, like, I have to be, I guess, inspired <laughs> to uh, to put it up there. Um hmm. There's a there's another there's another content creator that had made a couple of videos um, 
and I'm going to be putting up a couple of his deck lists as well because their videos really go into the reasons why they chose the cards that they did, and even in conversations with them um, after the fact, after the video had been posted on it, like they were able to say why they made the decisions they made, even when I like would question them on them. So I know that they're not just regurgitating content and just reading cards to you. Like they're actually thoughtfully going into why all 40 cards are in the deck and why the, the transformers they chose are the ones that they chose. So like from now on, I'll probably be a little more, I'm not going to like just put up every single legendary wolf games deck that comes out. I'm not going to put up every single wreck and rule. And the only, and wreck and rule by the way is done to, uh, two deck lists, but one of them was essentially just five cards off from my original Dinobot list, so there was no reason to put up, like, here's their version that's five cards different than mine that was, you know, and they even said that in their videos. That's within margin of error, I guess, for a lot of lists. Yeah. So, until there, and and once we have, like, tournament content, so, like, you know, if these events that are supposed to happen at PAX Unplugged happen and things like that, and I get a a hold of, like, the top four lists or whatever, they'll, they'll all be up there. So it'll be a rotating metagame uh list when it's all said and done um but for now it's basically just going to be stuff that's in the articles so that there's one reference point if you click on the list themselves it usually brings you to the content so like if it is somebody else's content they're getting free um you know you can click right on there and go straight to the videos uh that's what everything will be for everything will have a video deck tech um if it's not my um content on the website just because otherwise you'll just click on, you know, the web, the, uh, deck list. It'll go to the article on vector Sigma. But if you, if it's somebody else's, they'll probably have a deck tech video. So you'll click on the link, um, or the deck list itself. It'll take you straight to the video. And like I said, as long as they explain it in a, in a logical manner and it's more, it doesn't have to be like completely unique, like out of left field, but like unique to what was already one of the lists that's on there in all likelihood. And I like the explanations. It's not just reading a bunch of cards to you and saying this card's good because it does this. Like, you know, like has to be a little more involved in that. And I, I can actually appreciate where they're coming from. You'll start to see more decks on there as well. Well, that makes sense. And I, anybody out there who is an aspiring content creator, I want to echo what Scott was saying. It is important to just say really the reasoning behind it because anybody can get up there and i i know because i've done it (laughs) for other games where it's just like well this is an auto include and then you move on but yeah for a lot of people in this game and this is not to uh denigrate any content that's out there already this is there's a lot of new people to this game and by new people i mean entirely unaware that the world of gaming especially card gaming ever existed Believe it or not, there are a lot of people out there who literally didn't even know Magic existed, let alone have set foot in a gaming store. So saying something is an auto-include or writing something is an auto-include, yeah, if Scott and I are talking, we go, oh yeah, well, that clearly ends up in this deck list because of this reason. But without stating that reason or maybe the reasons behind that reason, you can't just accept something as axiomatic. You definitely need to go into detail so that these new players, they get a chance and they, they can stand on the shoulders of giants. That's the thing. I know a lot of people complain about net decking or whatever, but the thing is, is that there's a reason why people look for that because they want to learn. You don't, you know, have people reinvent all of the math through entire history. You teach them how someone got to this point. Yeah, I also think that, I mean, besides the fact that there's been people asking for ideas, 
um, on decks. I, I'm just kind of, I just want to provide a, a basis for you know, this is how many oranges you should have in an aggressive deck. This is how many blues you should have in a defensive deck. This is how many whites you should have in all your decks. And, you know, it doesn't mean you have to copy the decks card by card. It just means that you need to, people were asking for like, where do I even begin? Exactly. Like some of these people might be new at, at card gaming in general. And, you know, that's why those lists are there. Like to just give you a starting point of like, yes, your deck should be 40 cards. Like, yes, you know, and why? And, and, you know, even though one, I know one of the deck lists up there doesn't have 40 cards, um, which would probably be why it'll be taken down as the first one being taken down, you know, but <laughs> like, um, it's things like that. Like, you know, you should always stick to the 40 card limit. Like this is how many, you know, if your deck has this type of card draw on it, you can probably play less than the full three play set of something. And here's why. And this is how this card interacts with this transformer and so on and so forth. So like, like you said, there, it's not only just, it's, it, it's, it's new players and a new game. And there's always going to be players in a new game looking for ideas um, even if they are experienced card players, but then you have you throw in the fact that there's a lot of inexperienced card players, and it's just one thing on top of another. Exactly, um, and it's going on. There's no reason that they. I mean, of course, as you're learning something, you're going to take your lumps over time. Nobody's going to walk in, and I mean, there isn't worlds, but you're not going to walk in and win worlds day one. But there's no reason that you also need to start like a hundred feet behind the starting block. You know what I mean? You, you might as well get the advantages from people who have already done the math, who have already fought these battles before. So the other thing is, playtesting takes time. Exactly, and and you know it takes effort. And as I said, I know I've said this numerous times, but like in this game specifically, and I I feel this is different than uh, if those of you that have played other card games, it's not always like this. But the list is secondary to to actually playing the game. Um, I watch a lot of gameplay videos that are out there, and, like, I would say while certain gameplay videos may have actual mistakes that are made, like, you know, I I didn't uh, activate bold or didn't activate tough or, like, didn't, um, you know, do something on my card correctly or, like, or things like that, like, or I played the wrong card at the wrong time because it didn't have an effect on the things like that there's a lot of decision points and right when i was playing competitive magic heavily in the the early 2000s like there was a concept that came out that was like a judgment call and i remember there was discussions around like oh well that person just made the wrong judgment call and it was like and then the players that were much much better than me without dropping names and things like that that i would play with were like no, you can make a wrong judgment call. It's a mistake. Like if you're making the if you're making the call that is going to be wrong over fifty five percent, you know, over fifty one percent of the time, it's not a bad judgment call. It was the wrong judgment call. So, right. I think that this game has a lot of interplay to it, like the order that you attack in, who you attack with, so that they're open to attacks, how you use your cards, you know, what your what outs you're setting yourself up for, and things like that. And I see a lot of these what seem like subtle mistakes or judgment calls spiral into if they had just gone back and done something differently, the whole game would have gone differently. So I really feel like it's not the deck that matters as much as the gameplay. Right. I mean, obviously to a certain extent you, you could literally shuffle up a bunch of packs, run up against somebody with a constructed deck and you might have a bad time. Uh, But I, I definitely agree with you that the better player in this is winning out 
more often than not. But I think something you brought up there, the snowball effect is something we'll have to talk about in a, either in a later episode or I don't know if you have an article planned for it. Because I have seen that concept come up in a number of different places, people asking, well, they read the rules, they maybe played a handful of games and then go, how do you ever come back? And I think yeah. there are a lot of ways to do it. And obviously it's directly related to play skill, but that's a uh, probably a much larger discussion than we can get into at the moment. Yeah, my point is is that I'm I'm definitely not one of these people that's like I, I don't I don't even think the concept of net decking even exists. I'm very I don't understand the the people that are quote anti it. Um, I just feel like in today's day and age, there's so many other distractions and other things going on in people's lives. Oh, and of like course. you said about skewing to an older audience. I mean, like if if one of the shortcuts is you use a deck list that already exists and then you make your own modifications. To me, that's just as a, and then you play it correctly. Mm-hmm. It's going to take you, it would take you, if you're shortcutting yourself, the 10 games it takes you to figure out that, that on your own, that this 40 card deck you put together is not as efficient as this one over here. And you get 10 quality games with the, with a more refined list. And then you make four to five changes on your own based on your own experience and your own metagame and things like that. Right. You're saving yourself time and effort and you're having a better play experience just because you started with a deck that was like, quote out there i don't think right. that's a bad thing well I'm, I'm also personally i've always been of the opinion well maybe not always but i've come <laughs> to the opinion of given enough time i think most if not all people would settle on basically the same deck list give so if you took a given format for any game did not change it it was these cards and these are the only cards there are no bands no rotating sets no nothing after a while, everyone's going to figure it out. Yeah. So if someone happened to figure it out quicker, well, who cares? The, the fun part, at least for me, is playing the game. I mean, yes, building decks is fun, but I really, I'm building the decks to play the game. So the gameplay and trying to outwit your opponent, that will never really hit a ceiling. You're always going to be trying to, to make those other plays. So, okay, go get that list. Run it up against me. If you happen to beat me because you outplayed me, you got me. I'm not too concerned with what your deck was when you did it. Yeah, and and and, and we can go into this later because it's a much larger topic. But right when, when we were playtesting the other day, I even noticed that because in this game you draw so many less cards to start the game, hmm. there's no you know official mulligan or anything like that. So your hand as only starting with um, so few cards. Um, and then you're only drawing one card a turn. Some of the card draw is not as efficient. It's harder to snowball actions into one one, one another. Um, the games play out differently depending on the cards you draw. Um, and it seemed to me that like when we were playing certain archetypes against each other, it was like when you drew more the ability to t- to have cards that took advantage of what you were trying to do and going in the path that you were trying to go, um, you know, whether it was like a Dinobot deck drawing its Dinobot cards specifically, or, you know, and then your opponent only drew their basic cards. It was like, whatever, if you drew more cards that were powerful for your specific deck and your specific um, line of play, you won more often than the other person that just drew, like, was playing a, a modified sealed deck because they just drew all their best random combat en- enhancements that don't necessarily... They're always going to be generically good cards, but they didn't necessarily push 
the envelope for that deck style. Right. Um, that's where you kind of saw where like the powerfulness of making sure that your deck had synergy and that if you drew more synergistic cards than your opponent, generally you just won more often because you drew you draw so few cards to begin with. Of course. And I mean, to an extent, every card game, it's a card game, so there's going to be some randomness there. But yeah. And it's also a function of we only have one set. So like you said, the card draw isn't exactly the most efficient that we've ever seen in any game. Uh, it's probably going to change as we get the Metroplex set, as we get Wave 2 or whatever future things are down the line, hopefully in an eventual Decepticon starter. And all of these equations are going to start to change and change very quickly. So yeah. anybody who's looking at this and going or listening to what Scott had just described and said, oh, well, all I have, whoever draws the best cards is going to win. No, it, it's not quite like that because both play skill involved and also, well, this this is a fleeting format. We're going to get new stuff, and, well, sounds like next month. We'll see. Yeah. So uh, one last thing before we dive into the upgrades. Have you seen any of the other Siege on Cybertron releases for the toys? Uh, I saw the sound wave that turns that little, like, I don't know what the heck it is, like a... I think it's a street sign, for lack of a better term. Well, it does that, but supposedly it it's kind of supposed to be like a space aircraft carrier kind of thing. So you can okay. almost like jettison the cassettes and then they, they drop out and go after stuff. Did you see that they are now finally remaking Reflector? No, I did not see that. So he has a new name. He's Refractor now. Don't ask me why. But they have the three of them and he can A, combine into a uh, a camera like he's supposed to, but also can turn into a bunch of other weird spaceship things. Because all of it's, you know, it's supposed to be when they're on Cybertron. So you have the Tetra Jets, you have this stuff. I'm pretty excited about it. A lot of these things are looking pretty good. Do they do they have the Wheeljack and the Bumblebee to turn into the weird flat cars? I don't think I've seen those yet, but I would okay. not be surprised if they made an appearance. Okay. I Because I saw a lot of the Decepticons, like the, right. the Jets and the sound wave and i think there was a shock wave too yeah i really like the shock wave although he uh (laughs) he has that weird space sled thing that comes with him but can also go on his back and he kind of looks like dr octopus (laughs) or at least that that might be i think i think we saw that on the uh on the bumblebee trailer i think some of these things it might be why they're coming back too right right yeah so i'm looking forward to it i'm excited to to, uh add more plastic to the collection as i'm looking at my desk uh i mean really nice I got. A, I have. They're littered everywhere, and uh, my wife is getting tired of it. But <laughs> everybody's got their thing. So anyway, moving on from there. So let's talk about the actual cards. Like we we mentioned at the top, we do want to go through the upgrades and then probably the actions. But anybody out there listening, definitely hit up Scott over at VectorSigma.info or hit us up at Random Thoughts on Twitter, uh, Rand Thought Pod, or on Facebook, Random Thoughts Podcast, etc. You can see it all on the, the rotating overlay, uh, and it'll be in the show notes, all the contact information for both of us. So let us know what you want to hear about, what you want to read about. Maybe if we were to start doing gameplay videos or something, what you'd want to see, uh, just so that we can make sure we're catering the content appropriately. But uh, diving into the actual cards, we're going to do the same thing we usually do, which is go in alphabetical order. First one up is Aerial Recon. Uh, I'll be honest, I, I was real excited for planes. Real, real excited for planes when we first started getting spoilers, and I've kind of ratcheted that back over time. 
What about you? Uh, as a as a full on three deck, three like triple team three planes, I haven't found it to be able to work. But um, I've been working trying to do a lot of builds with um, dual planes or decks that just feature uh, Thundercracker by himself, who I think is really powerful. Thundercracker um, is something that I've been pretty excited about because he has that. <laughs> Oops, I just one-shot somebody ability. Yeah, he, I mean, with both Brainstorm and multi-tool, or uh, multi-mission gear, he can easily get, you know, one to two, up to three, even more attack, uh, depending on your hand size in any one, uh, in any one turn. So I think he's very right. powerful on his own. I mean, you're basically getting, without playing, like, a leap into battle, you're getting a leap into battle effect like as a corollary to drawing cards, making the discard cards, like doing hmm. your basic you're you're playing your entire turn out and then you're also getting a giant buff. Right. But in terms of aero recon, um so the the big thing that and I, I wrote about this in the second article, which was a plane deck. Yes. But the problem with planes is they generally want to attack in bot mode and not in plane mode. Um and if they want to transform a lot of times into into alt mode because that's where they gain a lot of their abilities. Um, but they don't want to stay there very often, and most of them certainly do not want to attack there, um, especially unless you're playing with Slipstream, for example. Right. Um, so the problem with Aerial Recon is, yes, you may start the turn in plane mode, but you have to be in plane mode sometimes during the turn, and that's not always going to be easy to do, um, which is another uh, problem with other cards that we'll talk about later, but... I just find that these cards that force you to be in a mode that you don't always want to be in to right. both attack and defend are a problem. Um, I do like this card better than other people. I know it. I know it probably doesn't have like it doesn't have a massive effect, but I mean you are getting a permanent stat boost out of a utility, which is what I pretty much at the minimum what I want to get out of uh, a lot of my utilities. Right. And the card isn't insignificant. Um, I just wish it wasn't during the combat phase, like, it would be a lot... I don't think it would be too broken or, or too unwieldy to, like, you know, one time a turn just use this ability. That way it would actually be a yeah. pile, and you could, like, jet fire back or something like that, but... You know, at least I get when you transform or something. Yeah. I agree. I, I think I, it's good, but... I do appreciate that it's also when you defend. Uh, yeah. And hopefully we get some something down the line that's an incoming transmission that somehow will help you rig this for your opponent's attack. Um, even if it's something literally just put the card back third from the top or something so that yeah. that way you can ensure that... Because I've had a number of times where it's, oh, well, I have this blue, I would love to put it on top, but, well, it's gonna, you know, yeah, end up going away anyway. So I do appreciate Aerial Recon. I, I don't know if it has a home yet because, as you were saying, it, if you're not running triple planes... I don't know if it does enough to justify it right now. Yeah, I mean, you even with this and another piece of armor, because I'm not counting Flash Shield as like a permanent buff or anything like that, Like you can really only get their base defense up to four max, and that's if you're a Slipstream or a Sky Warp. So, like, it's not... It's, I don't generally try to put armor, positive armor effects on cards that are only getting me, like, that I have to have two of them, and then I'm barely getting to, like, a decent number, so right. It's it's fine. I, I think like if you're not playing a lot of other utilities and and you are playing a slightly aggressive deck because it is an arm, I think it's fine. Yeah. Uh, 
I think moving on from there, the next one is Agility of Bumblebee. So I haven't played the Hive deck, which I know <laughs> a few other people have. I think there are some videos up of uh, people running it. Uh, so definitely check out those videos. But I, while it's funny, I don't know if that's actually a thing. Uh, I don't know if this does enough to justify it if you're just running, say, the Super Rare Bumblebee in cars. In fact, I, I would venture to say no. Yeah, and just so the listeners know in general, we're going to go through these probably faster than we do with the characters, just because of the nature of them. But, right. Um, uh, I don't see a place for this card, just because the two Bumblebees I actually would play in a deck, which are the the Starter Bumblebee and the Super Rare Bumblebee, are both leaders, and so I would rather just play the Matrix like, right. all day long over right. this card. Um, I, I, I know it draws you a card, but it draws you a card after you're actually able to play a card, so... yeah. Um, it only sets you up for next turn. Like, I don't know why you would ever play this over Matrix, um, especially because the ruling is you can have more than one Matrix in play, even if you had more than one leader. So right. I don't know why you would play this over the Matrix ever. One call out to this. Uh, if if you're audio listeners, this probably won't help a lot, but uh, I vaguely recall this scene in the comics, and that thing that Bumblebee's holding, it's not like a mace. It's a cane. Okay. Which be because at a certain point, not to spoil anything, but he does get hurt at one point to the point where he he needs assistance walking, and uh, which makes this this card a little bit funnier to some extent, <laughs> because obviously you know if if you have some trouble walking, it, this may not be exactly your mode of transportation. But I uh, just figured I'd call that one out. Yeah. Uh, so moving on from there, this is actually a card that I really like. Uh, I wish there were more cards that had this sort of effect, not necessarily do damage, but that's Armed Hovercraft. So when it comes out, if you stick it on a ranged guy, you hit your opponent's team for one, which sounds like it's not that big a deal, but direct damage is pretty powerful with the way this game works. Oh, this card's awesome. Yeah. Um, so there's two things to understand about this card. Um, one. So you're only gonna put on range guys. Let's just assume you are. Okay. Of so, um, unlike other card games, it's when you put it on a character, not when it comes into play. So any effect that will move this upgrade to another character while it's already in play will proc its ability. So, um, and if you have two of them, for example, and like a uh swap parts they'll both proc right uh for a one-sided um fusion bomb for example uh only against your opponent so that's one thing to keep in mind when you put this on a ranged character um you're basically getting two damage out of it so i can't see why you would ever not why you would play primary laser over this um assuming you were playing at least two ranged characters yeah um, because you're getting two damage out of the card and probably likely at least four damage out of the card with giving the guy plus one and then spreading, let's say, one damage to three different guys. I just find this card to be superior to primary laser in almost every way uh, because of that. And like you said, the damage is out of combat, so um, that's even more important. Um, let me so add, I think this card's awesome. Let me ask you this to play devil's advocate a bit. Because uh, I do love this card myself too, and I was I'm super excited to put it in virtually everything. But to try and find a problem with it, which this isn't 
do you ever feel that you need to play around Energon Acts when you're playing this? Or do you just run it out there? Uh... I, I can't say uh, because what I'm trying to do more consciously whenever I play any card is make sure that it has an immediate effect that is going to actually, and I'm writing about this now, actually, um, it's, it's a complicated concept. Um, the combat math is actually going to be affected by the card that you play. So right. the one damage I'm doing to their team and then the plus one is actually going to make a difference uh, where I'm actually going to do enough damage that I'm going to change the number of attacks or number of actions that I need to do whatever I'm trying to do, which is normally kill a specific uh, enemy more quickly. So I, I I guess I'm concerned because I would be concerned about Energon Act only because I probably wouldn't put, I'm trying not to play cards immediately unless their effect is going to change that combat math in mm. a positive way. Otherwise I'd probably try to play something else that may not have as big as it seems of, of an immediate effect of doing damage. But if that damage later is just going to be overkill anyway, and I'm not playing Grimlock, that's what the theory basically is, mm. then I may be better off just playing a different upgrade this turn anyway, like a an armor or a, or like a different weapon or a, or a utility that's going to have a what doesn't seem like as, as powerful an effect, obviously, right. as like spreading damage and getting plus one attack. But if the combat math doesn't change, I don't really care. So I, I guess I'm not too concerned about it because I'll probably I'm trying to consciously play with those with that math in mind, and I'm not saying I'm an expert at it. It's just a theory that I have. So no would be the short answer because I try I'm probably just going to try to play it correctly. If that makes sense. I got you. Yeah, like I said, I'm just trying to uh, because I, as I said, I'm all in on this card anyway. But just for the sake of <laughs> not us both going, oh yeah, this card's great. Let's move on. Yeah. You know, just have yeah. something for it. Um, but yeah, this is something, like Scott was saying, if you have ranged characters, specifically if you have two or more, so that, you know, if your opponent nukes down one, you still have something to play it on. There, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a reason not to play it because of everything it does. And it, I've found that naturally people gravitate towards you want to focus somebody down because then you limit your opponent's actions, obviously. But having these the ability to pressure multiple characters at once or threaten things, whether it, it... Obviously, Grimlock is the only one really with trample or overkill spread or breakthrough, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but if you can threaten, oh, well, I'll untap or have multiple attackers pressuring multiple guys, I could threaten multiple KOs in a single turn, theoretically it definitely impacts the way your opponent plays. Yeah, I think that's a part of the game that most people... It's it's very advanced, and I think part it's something that I really like about the game is that it seems very basic. Like, I'm going to upgrade my character and attack, and I'm going to do this amount of damage, and, and, and this is what happens. And But there are a lot of these subtle plays, especially when you take direct damage into consideration, that, like you said, you can wipe out more than one guy in a turn. Right out of nowhere, seemingly like oh my guy's safe, can't be attacked. He's not even tapped. Well, yeah, I just thundercrackers, you know, use thundercrackers ability, put armed hovercraft on him, and all of a sudden, your guy that had three three health is now dead, and yeah. I haven't even attacked yet. So exactly, yeah, you can definitely catch somebody unawares, and setting up those those blowout plays are it's definitely a delicate dance, but something that you're going to want to look for as you're playing. 
So I guess yeah, that... Oh, God. Yeah. God. I mean, and the fact that this is an upgrade where most of your direct damage is going to be out of the action window or out of the transform window is, is yeah, huge. Exactly. Getting those abilities spread across all of your different actions, because really, and this is another topic that we don't want to get too far into, but because the game functions on an action-based economy, as opposed to, you know, a resource-based economy, say you were playing Magic or the WoW TCG or any of a, a number of different games, the way it functions, you want to make sure that you can duplicate whatever you're trying to do as many times as possible. Right. So, uh, anything else you want to say about Hovercraft before we move on? No, I'm a big fan of it. All right, so next one, we probably don't have too much to say, Armor Plating. Uh, it's one of the starter cards. Um, <laughs> you'll quickly replace it. <laughs> uh, I don't know why you'd ever... I, I, I would probably just not play this card. Ever. Okay, we didn't get to bring this up all too much when we were mentioning the release events, but do you find this acceptable and sealed? Yeah, but uh, but uh, but so let's assume a normal sealed deck with the format that you're that that um, Watsi's pushed with the league play, which is five pack, twenty five card, twenty five star, completely you know no starter no starter deck cards or anything like that. Right, involved. right. Um, just open up five packs. You're probably going to have a limited amount of um, upgrades and actions you're going to play anyway, and this is probably going to be like the 23rd to 25th card that you're going to be willing to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's probably the worst armor that exists out of any other options. Right. Um, even if you're trying to make a dedicated blue deck, I would play uh, like reinforced much plating. Any, other, any other one over it. Yeah. <laughs> We'll see plenty more that you're going to want over this, yeah. so we'll leave yeah. that one alone. Uh, yeah. This one's a different armor. Now, you and I, I had briefly disagreed about this one. I don't know if you're coming around or if you're, you're staying firm on it for Blast Shield. So this is, after the upgraded character defends, scrap this card, and it gives plus two defense. So it's kind of almost a reverse grenade launcher. Do you like this thing anymore, or do you, are you still not a fan of it? Uh, I would only play it in Demolisher decks or Jetfire decks. Right. And that's kind of where I've been seeing success with it, although I'll be honest, that success has been limited right now. (laughs) So people, like, a lot of videos that I've seen um, about about people that include this in their decks have used the excuse that, like, it's a deterrent for your opponent to attack that character because they suddenly have two more defense. And the math just doesn't support that because as soon as it falls off, they're basically losing two... Two additional hit points. Yeah, and I know they they might not have actually taken the damage that, that this absorbed the two damage, hmm. but I can't. I don't understand why you would play this over various other armors unless you're either a able to recur it uh, continuously with Jetfire to essentially give him almost a quote unquote permanent plus two hmm. um, as you keep recurring him, or obviously in Demolisher it gives him two more flips, two more cards during his attack, which specifically helps things right. like Fuel Nemesis Prime, like I talked about in that one article, or just gives him more attack in general um, If in, in an aggro build. I can't see... I don't, I'm don't. i not a huge fan of it in any other thing. I would obviously play it in sealed deck, though. So Yeah, I, I could see this thing maybe being a bigger splash later on as we get more Jetfire effects, but I agree with you. Right now, if it's not in Jetfire or Demolisher, I'm not sure there's a place for it. Uh, the point def- of armor is to give you permanent defense. Right. This specifically doesn't give you permanent defense. So I, I just I don't understand why people like it. To be honest with you, I just don't get it. 
As so, to elaborate on that, compared to grenade launcher, and jump in if this is not how you look at it, but grenade launcher is fine to me, even though it's a one shot because you are actively advancing your win condition. You you will never win the game by soaking damage infinitely. That's not how this game works. You can't run them out of cards. You can't just stall out forever. Grenade launcher A, it's it's more stats, but it also you know you have to KO their guys. This is just stalling. So without those other interactions, there, there's really not a whole lot for it. I mean, if this gave you plus four defense, I would play it in every deck. So, I mean, well, <laughs> I think Grenade Launcher is there a lot because of the stats. I mean, like, I even think if Grenade Launcher only gave you plus three, it probably wouldn't see as much play. I think it's specifically that it gives you mm. plus four and really changes uh, the math and the fact that it's a the fact that it's an upgrade. So, again, you're like, Gaining that um, bonus, like temporary bonus damage off of upgrades, and you can also then play an action to gain additional. I think it's just the numbers, um, and I talked about this before. Just that you will be attacked more often than you're going to attack. So I understand, like why armor is seemingly more valuable than um, weapons right. in this game. But this one doesn't do that; it falls off. So that's yeah. what I don't understand. That's what I don't get about it. No, that makes sense. Uh, so moving on from blast shield, we have body armor, which is something that has shown up in some of your your articles over on VectorSigma.info. So it requires melee, but it gives you tough three, which is can be humongous. Um, are you seeing it having a place outside of the lists you already talked about? Yeah. So pretty much, I, I've. I've come to the conclusion that if you build your deck with a heavy blue slant, um, and it doesn't, and and I haven't run the numbers to know like how many blues you need to run and and, and whatever, but let's just say it's a heavier blue slant. Tough is generally going to be better than whatever the plus is. So um, the comparison I did for bold, for example, was you need to make sure that in a bold base deck that flamethrower gives you a better. Um, buff than primary laser because one is seemingly more ra- obviously more random than the other, but you want to make it so that that randomness is cut down. And the, on the flip side, on the tough situation, you're almost always gaining tough two or tough three out of an, uh, an upgrade compared to just getting a plus one, as we talked about, because Blast Shield is unique in giving you a what seemingly seems like a plus two. So most right. armor gives you plus one, um, and tough two is way better than plus one in their correctly built deck. Here you're getting tough three, which can honestly be better than three times plus one if you build your deck correctly. So I think this card's awesome mm. if you can play it. I mean, obviously, the designers understood that. this was, And you can make the same argument that I made for not playing Power Sword in an, an aggressive deck because it has a blue pip. You could probably make the same argument here. Don't play this in a defensive deck because it has that orange pip. The difference is, in this situation, again, you're going to defend multiple times a turn, likely, especially if you're the first attacker, and you're only going to attack once. Again, I know there's exceptions to, like, you know, untapping and things like that, but generally you're going to attack once a turn, so the power sword is only going to be used once. Body armor can be used up to two to three times, and that is a massive buff right. all the time. So I think this card is really good if you can support it. I mean, you you probably want to run, like, not many more oranges than this, 
um, in the right build. But this, the math I ran in like my Nemesis deck, for example, is this card gave you an additional over four defense. Um, that's not even, and that's permanent every single combat. That's not even comparable to other armor. I mean, that's insane. Right. You put that on a demolisher, you're you're preventing eight damage yes. every single attack. I mean, that's insane. It is something that I've been trying to work into tank builds, but I'm not great with the numbers. So it turns out that uh, <laughs> the orange pip, exactly what you were mentioning, is where I'm getting caught up trying to figure out the appropriate ratio between them. So maybe I got to go back and go reread the articles. Let you do the heavy lifting on the numbers. <laughs> yeah, just get some inspiration from there. You'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So uh, in in limited, it's almost it, it can be really really difficult to get around this card in limited. Right. Even with only because it limited is so clunky, it's very yeah. easy yeah. for even if you hit one extra blue to throw everything out of whack for your opponent. Yeah, this is just especially in limited, but definitely in the game itself, and especially. Anything that allows you to basically force your opponent to use another action, and I'm, I'm including attacking as an action, I'm including playing an action card as an action, playing an upgrade as an action, anything that forces your opponent to continuously use more actions to take out your guys is going to be beneficial for you, and Body Armor certainly does that in limited hands down. Oh, yeah. Out, and it does it in Constructed as well. Yeah, you can look at, and I know we've said this a lot this episode, but it's a deeper subject, but because of the action-based economy, you can kind of think it as card advantage. You're chewing up your opponent's already strapped resources by forcing them to address these other things. So any time where you can... It's not unlike focusing down one Transformer. You're limiting their options by eliminating one of their characters. You're, You're limiting their options by forcing them to initiate another attack into someone or invest another card to deal with whatever it happens to be. Yeah. So uh, going from body armor, uh, let's go to Bug Bomb, which is one that I wasn't a fan of. Um, it, I mean, it seems flashy, but I, I'll i be honest, I cut them from my bug list recently. Yeah, we talked about this one last time. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not a fan of it. I don't like things where you have to be, you have to KO. I don't like the fact that it takes up the slot the entire time. Doesn't have an immediate effect on the board. Mm-hmm. Doesn't even have that dramatic of an effect, even when it does go off. So, and it's blue, and most Insecticon builds that are successful that I've seen are heavy, heavy, heavy orange. If this was so, orange, I, was, I would probably play it. Uh, but the blue in playing Insecticons, it's exactly what you said. Most of them have around, you know, like nine health. And yeah. not a whole lot of defense. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that they just, you know, get squished. And sure, you you could get these triggers, but then a lot of insane... So like Swarm. You're going to feel real bad the first time that you Swarm and you hit mm-hmm. either one or even multiple bug bombs. You're going to yeah. feel real bad because guess what? Your, your Insecticons are almost perpetually at zero damage. Or flat, or dead. like they're dead. they're dead. Right. dead. Those are the only two states. Right. Um, yes, there's an argument that well, because they're so squishy that I might as well play it. They're going to die. I will be pretty much guaranteed for this to happen. But your opponent can dance around it, or they can just go. Well, I have no cards in hand, and I've already gotten usage out of this Jaws of Steel. So whatever, yep. who cares? 
So, yeah. Not a fan. Uh, this is probably another one you're not a fan of, Cargo Trailer. So, it shows up in a lot of lists. It shows up in the Power of the Primes list. I don't understand how they're able to play it effectively because both of the main trucks want to remain in bot mode often. Right. Um, I understand that you, like, a lot of these decks obviously play Rabbit Conversion. Like, I'm not really trying to force myself to play Rabbit Conversion just so I can play Cargo Trailer. Yeah. I understand, obviously, once you have two of them on there, you're getting plus four, and that's, like, permanently, and that's really good. Um, I feel like that's asking a lot, though. Let Forget getting all three in play. Like, that's yeah, that's Christmas time. But even getting two, I feel, is difficult because, well, A, just drawing them. The way the game works, you're going to mill a lot of cards. You're more likely for this to end up in the scrap pile than it is in your hand. And then you also have to assume that your opponent allows it to happen. Yeah. I mean, they're probably not going to pop the first one, but you're not going to get the second one for very long, if at all. So there's a couple things working here for it. One, Treasure Hunt gets it, which is positive. Yes. Um, I guess the, that's... And and the, the we're talking about Rare Optimus Prime, where this shows up most often, obviously. Right. Um, they generally play a lot of card draw, so or a decent amount that they can get off their um their attack ability. So that it's it's not it's not getting two of them that's my concern. It's 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 two things. One, again, having only one in play, I'd rather have a mate single time. Yep. Um, two, you have to be in truck mode to use it. Three, so. A lot of decks, and I'm not positive this is always correct, but they play a lot of upgrade removal. And if they're playing, you know, if they have a choice between playing things like Scrapper Gauntlets or Drill Arms compared to playing Ramming Speed, I see a lot of people just playing Ramming Speed. I'm not saying that's correct. Um, I don't know how good Ramming... Like, I'm not a huge fan of Ramming Speed, but I do see it show up on a lot of deck lists. So people that play that over those what I would consider to be more like better options for a lot of decks, Mm -hmm. you're going to get really screwed when you're playing cargo trailer, because like you said, having one in play is it's not even that it's not exciting. It's, it's inefficient in my opinion. Yes. So if you're only going to get, and it's possible, I mean like it basically becomes like a grenade launcher. You, you put two cargo trailers on something, you get one attack on and then they destroy one. So you basically just got, you know, got a grenade launcher out of it. But until there's something that allows you to basically get any utility or any upgrade back from your scrap pile, like the way the, the rare Megatron gets weapons back, like I don't think this is worth the slots because you have to have a minimum of two of them in play. If you want an upgrade that just gives them plus one attack, I'm sure there's better options, like right. especially the Matrix. So. I think the other point against it is trucks are in a tough spot. They're very few. You can't, it's really tough to go three wide truck tribal. Um, so you're going to be limited I mean if you're playing the rare prime you're probably protecting him anyway but I would feel better you don't want to play these you don't want to play this on oh yeah as many of them on the same one as possible right it just gives you more targets and the fact that it's well that's the thing yeah yeah I'm not a big I, I understand why people play it I just think it it's a big Christmas land scenario that I'm not a fan of yeah I'm got him in the same boat 
So uh, this one we probably don't have nearly as many words to say about because I, I'm not a fan of this card at all. Combat training. Uh, give it a bold or tough. And it's a white pip. Uh, it's, it's again, utility slot. Like, uh, I, I, it's tough to build your deck to take advantage of both sides of this. Um, right. And if you're only getting one side, I mean, aren't, wouldn't you virtually rather have just about any other weapon or armor? Yeah, we have this in our white base deck just because it's in a, a utility that stays in play and mm-hmm. is a white pip. That's about it, though. So, like, uh, I don't, I'm not a big fan of this card. It's, I don't know. I mean, even in the, when I think about white pip decks, it's kind of a, well, this has to be there just because there's a low quantity of white pip cards. Yeah, exactly. Like, if there was a better white pip card, I would play it over this, but right now, I I think you can only get, like, if you ran literally all of them, I think you only get to, like, 36 cards. Yeah. Not that you would want to, but, you know, if if that were a thing... It's better than some of the other really, really bad ones. So, well, <laughs> if something's really, really bad, then <laughs> that's not a very high bar to set. So, I mean, the thing here is what you need to understand about tough is, and you can read about this in the Dinobot article, is mm-hmm. you need bold one to be better than plus one. You need tough one to be better than plus plus one defense. Yep. Or else it's not worth it to play them, and it's extremely difficult to make a deck that both sides of this are going to be. Um, that that's going to happen on both sides mm-hmm. mathematically often enough. Maybe down the line when we have a, have more cards that are similar to the Matrix and roll out with yeah. orange and blue pips, this will make an appearance alongside Shock Absorbers and um, yeah. whatever the other card is, Cybertronium Bow, whatever yeah, sure it's called. We'll, um, we'll see it shortly. We might even see it next, yeah. Uh, well, actually, the next one is Crushing Size, probably oh. the weakest of the cycle. Yeah, I don't get, I don't get this card either. I mean, it, it makes sense because of the way one gives plus one attack, one gives plus one armor, so the the third one has to do something else. But Pierce one isn't that exciting. No, it's not good at all. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of this. It, it's a white pip, so if you're looking at it from a combat perspective, you'd almost always rather have a different white pip. I do have to say though, I there are a large amount of utilities that I would like to pop. So if you're just looking for removal, but the problem is, is I, I guess I would rather have ramming speed than this for its universality, or that, that's, that's not a word, the ability for it to hit anything. It's modal. Yes, <laughs> that's a better way to put it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just don't care about the Pierce. Yeah, it's, I don't like this card at all. Um, so this is another one that you've said before that you don't like, but I've come to <laughs> begrudgingly respect, and that's Crushing Tread. So this is the tank required, or requires tanks, and the upgraded character has Pierce equal to its defense, and it's an orange pip. So, like I said, I've from playing tanks so much recently, I feel like they have to run this. Um, but tell us why you don't like it, and then I'll see if I can rebut it. Uh, I don't like Pierce as, a, as an ability at all mm. um, I feel like you're playing like it's like a sports like you're playing for the draw like in a, as a sports analogy you're playing not to playing to win right um, I'm not I understand that not every deck needs to be aggressive so like I understand there's a place for obviously I've written articles about it there's a place for defensive decks mm. um, and in those situations like 
the tendency is I'm playing a defensive deck, so I want to pierce, so I have guaranteed damage. But I'd rather play things like the common Megatron that have that built into them than have to use my upgrade slot in order to play this. Right. And the problem is with the tanks is like Demolisher, this card seems terrible on. Yeah, um, unfortunately. He, um, it actually, so not to cut you off, the, no, no. I feel like it's necessary in tanks for this reason. They can't do the, I'm going to have bold 45,000 and then just flip mm-hmm. over your entire deck every turn. So the damage, their damage ceiling is so low that they have to have the pierce or they will literally never do any damage because most of the tank builds that I've had any success with are virtually all blue pips. So even on Demolisher, it's guaranteeing that he gets through for three damage a turn because I basically only flip him when I want to flip him back with roll out or hunker down to get the draw effect. Um, because of all the blue pips, it's just he can never really attack in bot mode, or at least not to any reasonable effect. So it, it I, I'm not happy about having to play this, but I feel like it's necessary for tanks. But even in defensive, like, and I can't stand this card, but piercing laser is better than this card. It's a better, it's a more relevant combat tip for the tank deck, and it gives you, uh, it gives you better pierce than, I guess, than everything than demolisher in the mode you don't want him. In. So, like, I would just play piercing laser. This. And I'm not even a fan. Well, the of only one, if you ran triple tank, so you have Megatron Demolisher uh, Dark Mount, it's equal Pierce it, it, to this and Piercing Laser are the same, except for well, the Demolisher mode that you don't want to attack in because then it would right. be higher on this, and then Megatron Piercing. Uh, this would be one lower Pierce with Megatron in his uh, bot mode, but Megatron then has Pierce three natively, so you don't care. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know if I'd agree that the white pip is more relevant on piercing blaster. I'd have to you know like depending on the specific list, you know what you're you're utilizing your other white pips for. Um, I mean, but if you don't, the orange doesn't help you. So well, it it can occasionally help you by actually giving you a little bit of attack. Um, the white pips, I mean, if if you're already using because you don't want you know like twelve of them or fifteen of them necessarily. I guess it would depend on what the remainder of the deck looks like. The problem is is that... And plus that goes in your weapon slot, too, which is a problem. That's the only argument I can see, but I, I'm... This card just seems like a waste to me. Like, I, I don't hmm. think this puts the deck over the top. Like, I think you have to win through the... You win through Dark Mount. That's how you win. Yeah. Um, well, that that's part of why... Two, yeah. That's why I don't even think three tanks is the best, quote, tank build anyway, because I think He's the centerpiece, and right. like you can find other builds for him. So yeah, I'm just not a big I'm not a big fan of this card at all. Yeah, I don't like it. I just feel like it's necessary. I mean, maybe I've been uh, to your point. I've been trying some other non triple tank lists, and I haven't had much success there either. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> uh, yeah. But moving on from there, Cybertronium Bow. Uh, if you don't know, listeners out there, if you don't know what this card does. Don't bother. I know we said we really want to not say, oh, this card's really good or this card's really bad, but this card's pretty bad. Yeah, you for this and 
the defensive equivalent, you have to play a lot of blanks in your deck. Yep. That's, I think, something that people don't understand is that you don't want to play, like, you want as many doubles as you can, obviously. But, like, getting one double and then one another color is going to screw you. So you need a double and a blank. And that's where, like, that's where you this would be. But even then, you're getting plus three. You get that a lot easier without having to go out of your way like yeah. any other one. Now, down the line, if we get a bunch of other double pip things and you could build mostly a deck of just those, I mean, that'll probably take a while. I would imagine they're going to be very careful about doling out both orange and blues. But if that were to happen, maybe there's something here if you can consistently trigger it. But right now, yeah, that, that's a lot of hoops. Yeah, you have to get over plus three. There's not one. Right. And that's really hard to do. Absolutely. So this next one, Data Bank, is actually something that I really like. Um, it's not, I'll be honest, it is, I don't think it's as powerful as I initially thought because you can have whoever's holding it targeted down potentially, but as long as you're careful about it, you should be getting many, many cards out of this. Yeah, I actually think this card's better than I originally thought it was. And that's specifically because I've started analyzing the math as I, as I alluded to earlier about making sure you're doing the right plays at the right time and that... Right. You're playing weapons when they matter and playing uh, abilities when they matter. This is a universal, I can stick this on a guy, it's automatically going to replace itself next turn, assuming the guy lives, but just don't attack with that guy, you'll be fine, that guy will definitely live. So like this, to me, has gotten better because I've been trying to find situations where I'm playing better, where I'm making the most effective use of my cards every single turn. Mm. And if I don't have to be in a situation where, like, Man, I gotta play a weapon every single turn. I gotta kill a, a guy every single turn. The math's gonna work out that way. This is the perfect. I'm just gonna I'm gonna play a card that doesn't have an immediate effect on the board, but has a later, much greater effect. And I I think hmm. so. This card has actually gotten better in my game than I initially gave it credit for. I think you can, as I started doing the math. Yeah, I think you can reasonably expect that you're gonna get minimum two cards. Probably three is more likely out of this. Uh, just because yeah, I if play you, this. Yeah. Sunstorm decks definitely want this. Oh, absolutely. Um, Shockwave decks definitely want this. I really like it in Jetfire builds when you can, because you can yank this right out of the grave, out of the scrap pile. Also fair. Yep. So, yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah. Data Bank's one of my favorites. So, uh, moving from there to Data Pad. Now, this shows up in a few of your lists. Do you. Would you? I guess it's obviously going to come down to the build, but would you say this is the aggressive equivalent for Data Bank? Yeah, this card's gotten worse for me because hmm. um, in aggressive builds, I'm going to play Rapid Convert or Steel as my whites and, that, and move on with it. And then if I need like one or two more whites, I'll play um, whatever the one that like lets you uh, pitch your hand and draw three, or I'll play um swap parts so like to in limited this is very good like i played it in, in sealed deck obviously but absolutely I, the the difference again this is a card that has to like you play it on a guy and then you use it and yes you draw a card and you put one on top so it obviously helps out your combat you know right. this this should get you a this basically has plus one if not plus two like this this probably likely it's really hard to do the math, but this 
basically says somewhere in between plus one and plus two attack on in an aggressive deck on your guy because right. you don't you want your orange your double oranges on top and you want your single oranges or your or your whites on top. So that this generally says you're getting extra plus and plus two attack guaranteed every single time, which is powerful. Right. Um, but I don't like the fact that it doesn't ha- it only has a use on the guy you're going away. It doesn't help. Um, it doesn't help you on defense, obviously, and something like data bank has a use every single turn. This only has it on the one. So to me, it's basically yeah. like putting a weapon in the utility slot that just gives you extra numbers, hmm. and that's probably not necessary. Yeah, it's uh, as compared to data bank. I whenever I play this, I expect I'm only going to get one use out of it because yeah. say you played that on if you were going second on your first turn. Okay, you get a swing out of it, but then your opponent can target that guy down. So, I agree with you. It was something that I was excited about initially, and has kind of waned over time. You don't gain card advantage. You sh- you sift, mm. and you sift at the wrong time. You sift when you can't yeah. play the card. So Although you could good. gain card advantage from this because you don't have to put the card back. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know if that's because I have considered that before. Like, okay, well, is this an extra card draw option? But it. It's pretty clunky in that regard. Yeah. Uh, this is another one that falls into the Cybertronian bow pile, unless you have something else for it, debilitating crystal. People really like it. I don't get it. I only like it in Shockwave. Even there, I'm I'm not super confident that I want it. Um, I mean, I get why, opponent. but... You're delaying your opponent. Um, you're definitely putting cards back in their hand that, that hmm. helps with security checkpoints. I mean, it allows um, you, yeah, you could, then security checkpoint effectively becomes removal, but. Yes. Well, I, no, the I point don't. is security checkpoint does damage to them. Well, that also. Um, it, like, if they draw an upgrade, they can't play two upgrades. Hmm. So they're more likely to, ha- they're more likely to be holding upgrades. Right. So I don't think it's that bad, but I only like it in shockwave builds. Yeah, I, I've only just begun experimenting with Shockwave build, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out whether I can squeeze it in. I Right now it's on the cutting room floor. We'll see if it makes an appearance. Um, moving from there, we have the second of the cycle. This is Drill Arms. It's the weapon one. Blue pip, but you get to pop enemy armors. I Given the prevalence of force field, I want to include this more, but I always have trouble finding the slots for it. Oh, I'm a big fan of this card. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely good. Um, I think my go-to has been always Scrapper Gauntlets, uh, but I could certainly see changing that around depending on what your deck wants to do. Yeah, the big guy decks want this for sure. Oh, yeah. So here's the most important question for this card, though. Is that Rumble or Frenzy in the artwork? <laughs> it's Frenzy to me, but I know it's not. <laughs> <laughs> see, to me... It's Rumble. Frenzy is red. Yeah, <laughs> and I, uh, I always ask everybody this because it starts an internet argument. But <laughs> uh, So yeah, this, these cards, this cycle is really strong with the exception of the utility one because this, the, wep- the plus one attack or plus one defense when we get there later actually do stuff. Uh, the plus one pierce is mostly irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, this next one seems to be on everybody's want list, and that's Energon Axe. Everybody's asking for it, and, well, <laughs> it should be obvious why, and you've written about why. Have you maintained your enthusiasm for this? 
uh, best weapon in the game, hands down. Right. <laughs> it. Uh, I haven't made a list that doesn't have three of them. In it. <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at now, where every time I'm like, well, you know, it could use a little, uh, you know, I just put in three Energon Axe <laughs> and go from there. You can pretty much always play it 50% of the time guaranteed, and there's plenty of ways that you can pretty much play it on any guy you want. Uh, that was a very Anchorman really moment. Yeah. <laughs> you could pretty much play it, always play it fifty percent of the time. Yeah. <laughs> that was just a really funny statement. Sorry, <laughs> no, Sorry. I I knew what you meant, but it just it sounded funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, I, the 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 downside is almost irrelevant to me on this card, right? And it's not so going back to uh, armed hovercraft. It in certain decks, like say tanks, not to bring that up again, but. It's not unreasonable to have somebody who's damaged only slightly, and then you can get multiple swings out of this, and then you're super happy. Like, two thumbs up for it. Whoop. Not in frame on the camera. Two thumbs up. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, Energon Axe, if you can acquire them, you're probably going to want to use them. I uh, think, I think like, on the secondary market, I feel like this card is undervalued, to be honest with you. I would agree with you. Um, I although at least locally, I know a lot of people were asking for it, so maybe there's either people are catching up or they're ahead of the curve or whatever the case is. Um, next one's flamethrower. You've talked at length about this one, uh, so if anybody wants the thoughts or Scott, if you want to add anything now, but head over to vectorsigma.info and read the various articles where Scott does all the math that nobody else would ever want to yep. do. <laughs> Aggressive deck should play it. Yes. If you have oranges, you probably want it. Yeah. Go look at the Dinobot Bold article. Play yep. It. So we'll uh, move on to Force Field, which is, for me, it's shown up in almost literally 100% of decks. Um, because uh, it's It's been every single one of my decks. Also. Yeah. I, I only say, I hesitate to say 100 because I'm sure I have something sleeved up somewhere behind me that doesn't have it probably because I couldn't find three more and I didn't want to proxy it. But uh, given the way the game works, it it's like getting a mushroom in Mario. You get a one-up. You're getting one more turn out of whatever it happens to be. So I will say that the this game, this card is meta-defining um, more probably than any of the other ones despite how good some of the other ones may be. Mm-hmm. Um the issue with this card is that finding ways around it is um, is going to help define the meta. There are certain decks that death through a thousand cuts type decks, yep, um, as opposed to attack with um, Nemesis Prime for a hundred. You know, like mm. where this is going to be. Like, they may be more efficient because I have yet to see decks that don't include two or three force fields. Yep. Um, that, that's part of the reason why I'm like, so all-in on... Well, maybe not all-in, but I really love Dark Mount so much, is it gives you that yeah. option to chip somebody down, and then, oh, well... Oh, no, you reduced it to four. You only have one help left. Who cares? Yep. I mean... Uh... You don't all like. I've definitely seen it misplayed and not procked because somebody put it on like a nine health character and they got hit for and then they were and they and they took one randomly. So like, you have to be careful who you use it on. But any yeah. deck that has 
I, I can't I can't imagine. I I just can't imagine a deck that would three of these. Yeah. Honest with you. Just the way the game is right now. Mm. Um with people just putting pumps and pumps and pumps on a guy. Right. Get them to ridiculous levels. So. Absolutely. And it's part of the reason why I'm I also really like Jetfire right now, because he can continually recur force fields and just stand there and tank if you need him to. And he has uh, fifteen health, so yeah. you can take a bunch of force field hits is the point. Yep. Uh, one thing to keep in mind for this, according to the FAQ, uh, to all those listeners out there, if you Grimlock for a gazillion, this will reduce it, and then thereby reducing any spillover damage, in case anybody was wondering. Yes. So it has a use even against Grimlock when you only have to yep. reduce the spillover. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so... What about Megatron's fusion cannon? I know you don't like Pierce. Uh, I I don't know if I'm still going to run this. Even in, I feel like I want to in triple tank, but you you don't want it really. Or I assume you don't want it on the rare Megatron, and you don't want it on a not Megatron. So, do you like this card at all? Uh, I like it on the common Megatron. I just don't know if that part has like. I don't know how much of a use that. Transformer has, but mm. I do like it on common. Man. I mean, Pierce six when you have five attack is a lot different than mm. Pierce three when you have seven attack. Absolutely, because then the Pierce three means nothing. Absolutely. Um, but when you get it to Pierce six with actually less attack than that, now suddenly you're pretty much always going to attack with whatever your attack power is, and that's where exactly you know you're ignoring armor. So that's where I like it. But like I've said before. Um, Pierce is essentially look at your opponent's defense. You're basically getting that plus. So if you assume most bots you're going against have like say a three defense, this is basically a plus four weapon. You'd play that all the time. If they have plus, if they have two defense, now suddenly you're looking at this as essentially a plus three weapon. I'd rather play a more universal plus three weapon. Right. In general, if that if even if this card did give Pierce three to everybody and only gave you plus one attack. And the fact that it only gives it to Megatron is even more odd in my opinion. So, yeah, I do I wish don't know it, I would play this if it did this to everybody. With you. I wish it had maybe one less Pierce and then something else. Um, I don't know if it... Because if it had plus one attack, so it had two attack total and then Pierce two, the numbers wouldn't line up that great um, on the, the common Megatron. But it feels like it needs something else. The I'm fine with plus playing two it. In Pierce two, if it was plus one, plus one in Pierce three, it'd be different. But yeah, I don't it, get it. Yeah, it's Pierce. Pierce is like armor. It got somewhere during the testing phase. People, it was probably better than it is. Yeah, but it feels just a hair shy, or maybe a half a step shy of being there. But so I'm fine with playing it, but I'm never excited to play it. Yeah, like arm hovercraft to me is better. Oh, absolutely. As com. As compared to our next one, which is Grenade Launcher, which is a, a four of, and, or excuse me, a three of. If you could run four, that would be great. Uh, in anything aggressive and maybe even in not-so-aggressive things? Um, it's meta-defining. It's unfortunate, I think, because the card has no thought to it whatsoever. Um, yeah. Uh, it has no downside other than don't like just don't play it on guys before you're ready to attack with them. I it, I'd rather lose my I'd almost rather lose my upgrade 
use for the turn than just have this out there so it can be destroyed, for example. I've actually seen a lot of people do that, and and even in games I've played where it's they ran out of grenade launcher like two turns in advance, and I just never happened to hit something to remove it. And in my head, I'm just screaming because <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I want to get rid of that, but I can't. It, it's possible that you just take your chances and move on. Again, mm. this is like a math thing. Um, if you knew the deck you were facing against, if they had targets and things like that. But I, I mean, it's it, it's probably the most powerful card in the game. In all honesty, mm. I wish it, I wish it had a blue pip to like. I wish it had something that gave it a negative. Yeah. Um, I guess the only negative I would say is that once you get something like an Energon Axe down on a guy, I don't generally want to replace it with a rock, with a grenade launcher for an extra plus one. But like, ever all my aggressive decks have both these cards in them, so like that situation doesn't. Yeah, that feels like um, a, a very <laughs> you got to reach for a downside. Um, yeah. I mean, it should be the basis of the rare Megatron deck, basically just playing grenade launcher every single turn character. So basically. Mm-hmm. Whoever you want, has, like your whole team, basically at any one has plus four attack. Right. It's quote downside is actually a positive in certain other decks. Like, yeah. In limited, the card is ridiculous because you you recycle your deck so often and it goes up all the time. Like, yeah. I really think quote that, downside is not a downside. I feel like this really should have been a three, but uh, it is what it is. <laughs> it should have had a blue pip. Like, that yeah, that probably else. would have been acceptable as well. Yeah. Um, handheld blaster. So our other double blue pip. The other one's an action. Uh, defensive decks will play this all the time. Um, the bold is not. I mean, bold one is not good, quote unquote, but it's not irrelevant. Um, so, mm. um, I mean, you would obviously play this in any defensive deck, and it's not the worst thing in the world just to put on a guy. But I mean, you would play it in a defensive deck. So let me ask you this just as a general thing for people out there. So when you look at double pip cards, or when you're building a deck in general, are you literally counting the number of pips, or are you thinking, I need X number of cards with that type of pip? Because there is a subtle difference between you could have, you know, this is essentially two two cards worth of blue pips in one. But obviously you're not, if you go that route, you're not going to hit the blues as frequently. Uh, I simulate the entire experience, so I don't even those things don't even factor in. <laughs> okay. I, I, simu- I simulate the, uh, the the combat draws. I don't even worry. I know what you're asking, but right, right. That to me is that's rudimentary compared to where you should be. Right, actually figuring out the way you the way you should do it, and even this is is it's the per- like it, let's take this for example. It's the percentage of blue in your deck, so the chance of you drawing a blue. Then you multiply that by the number of blues that represent. So if every card was a single blue, those two numbers would be equal to each other. 50% of your deck and 50% of them are blue. So it's like the math is the same. Mm. But once you start throwing in the doubles and you start throwing in like the the orange-blue cards, the math gets messed up a little bit. Right. So that's the way I used to do it. And then I just simulate. Then I realized that wasn't even correct, so I just started simulating the whole thing. But that's the better way to do it. You'd multiply the percentage of getting that color times the number of that thing. So it's like you're basically saying, okay, every time I get a blue, it's actually worth 1.1 instead of 1. That's how you actually can do it. And But even the math on that is not 100%. Right. The only way to make it 100% correct is to actually simulate the combats. Right. 
not to bore you, but that's how it works. <laughs> well, I mean, it's important for people to know to realize that, you know, these are the appropriate ways to go about trying to determine these factors so that they have a little more insight as opposed to just looking at all the pretty data that you present us in the articles. My first simulator did it that way, and I realized it wasn't correct. But okay. that is one way you can do it, but it's not technically correct. Gotcha. But I know what you're asking. Mm. And I just I can't say yes or no because I don't think it's the right way of looking at it. So. And that, that's completely reasonable, yeah. It, I think it's a question, and the main reason I'm asking is that it's probably something that someone at home is thinking, well, which way do I judge it? And the, the, the correct answer is what you're suggesting. Yeah. So uh, moving from there, we have something that's pretty unique in heroism, where you can redirect damage, although you don't have an option to redirect it, which is one of the concerns I have about it. But it's definitely something that seems really powerful on the surface. Yeah, so this is a card that I think is underrated and not, doesn't see enough play yet, and I think isn't understood yet. I, I um, definitely agree with the last part, because <laughs> I do not understand yeah. exactly how to get this to work, but it seems like it's going to be bonkers when someone figures it out. Uh, this, to me, is a card that may is going to help Jets a lot, because they stand to have a lot of hit points in the defense. Mm -hmm. This is a card that definitely helps Dark Mount, because he has a high defense and a low hit point, so you want him to be the defender but then you want the actual damage to be shifted over to somebody else. Right. Um, so to me, this is the card that allows some of these higher defense characters but with low hit points, shockwave, tanks, to see play in non-focused builds on them. This is one of the cards that Cosmos loves. This is one of the cards that Jetfire loves. You know, things like that. So that's where some of these cards that are seeing play and those decks don't include this card really should consider testing this card out yeah i mean it even has jetfire in the artwork come on yeah <laughs> i think it's a great card for jetfire yeah it, it's something that i want to try but it's one of those i feel as though i'm going to need a long testing session to really the way my brain works to really grok it and actually understand what's happening as opposed to oh well you know i play 10 games over the course of a month now that would be an unreasonable amount, but uh, or amount of time, but I don't think I would really understand what the value is in without seeing it multiple games in a row. Once this card's in play, it doesn't matter your attack, who you attack with, at any one time, as long as this card can stay in play mm -hmm. and doesn't get removed. Um, it doesn't matter who you attack with because they're not going to be the target, right? So you can make your attacks in what seems to be aggressive matter because they're not the ones taking the damage. I'm telling you, this is the card that will make Dark Mount extremely right. playable. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something, like I said, I want to look into further. It, it does concern me, like I said, that it's it's not a May, which is probably yep. because of a power level thing, because if you could just spread the damage however you felt was appropriate, it may be too strong. But without that, yeah, sticking on a high hit point character, great until they burn him down, but you should be planning for that. Yeah, the point is that the original bot still defends, so that's right. where your high defense guys come in. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, heroism is something that should be on people's radars for now, if, you, if you're not thinking about it already. Uh, yep. Another double pip card, Improvised Shield. Um, I guess the biggest question is, how often do you play it, like actually play it? Uh, I've played it in cars because of Wheeljack's that's fair. But other than that, you're 
unless it's your only action, you have no way to get out of your hand, like snarl dead if you're playing Dinobots or you don't have anything mission or something like nothing else to do. There's nothing just getting the tough one, but generally you want to hold it for those types of That makes sense. Uh, it's I'm interested to see what they do down the line with the double pip cards like this because it feels mandatory simply because mm-hmm. even with effectively a blank text box, but we'll we'll see if that holds out and what other things they have in store for us. I don't think there's too much to say about it other than, yeah, if you're an aggressive deck, you want more R and just play it. Yeah. Uh, what about Optimus's Ion Blaster? It's insane once it's in play on the rare uh, with rare prime. Mm. Um, again, I haven't run the math on the whole, my whole theory on like a card that affects the number of times you have to swing, but I can just tell you that when I first built a rare prime deck, games that I played this as my first action on the rare prime. I mean, obviously, if it wasn't turn one. So, like, whenever I was able to swing with a base 10 and 3 defense in bot mode versus an, versus an 8 hmm. made a significant difference. I was one-shotting a lot more often than I wasn't. Yeah. Um, I don't understand the list that either A, don't run this card, or B, don't run a full playset because it's... I would probably run two in most rare prime decks because I'm pretty much running treasure hunt and all of them also, mm-hmm. but I can't imagine running less than two of this card in any rare prime deck. And I see a lot of lists that don't have it at all. And I don't understand it. This card is extremely powerful. I actually tried literally today, uh, prime without it. And you, I think the reason why people may be ignoring it is that the rare prime can do so many unfair things that you almost forget that it can get even more unfair to an extent. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know, well, I'll attack. I have both five or whatever because of things. Flip over this, play this other card, and do something, you know, just obliterate my opponent. And then you forget that, oh, wait, I could have done that already, or, you know, I would have already had guaranteed stats because of the Ion Blaster. So I can understand it. I'm, I'm with you that it's probably necessary, but at least I can... I can see where people would forget about it, almost. I feel like people just want to flip leap into battle to get plus three. And it's like, you can just put this on there and almost get that every single attack. It doesn't right. make any sense. Yeah. No, I agree with I, you I, yeah, like You're like, oh, I want to give, I, I want to play a power sword because now I have three more chances of getting leap into battle. Or you could just play this and pretty much get a leap into battle every single attack. You right. don't understand. And so. com- compared to some of the other isolated weapons, even though this requires Optimus, if you're playing the rare Optimus, that is your deck. Right. If he dies, you're you're gonna lose anyway. Like you're you're already dead in or the water. Or you need to be so close to victory that the other guys can. Right. Yeah. Still so it, the drawback of oh well, you may not. Oh, well, what if Optimus goes? Then I have all these dead cards. Well, you're you're probably gonna have a lot of dead cards if Optimus yeah. is gone. <laughs> exactly. So I wouldn't worry about that part too much. Yeah, I would play at least two in any. Plus, you can get the the super cool fantasy of the '86 movie where he's coming out of the shuttle and then he transforms and then just takes everybody out and like you live the dream when that happens. Exactly. Um, Jaws of Steel. Probably not a lot to say about this because you've already said a lot. Um, Go read. Go read the article. Yeah, VectorSigma.info. <laughs> not to. We're not glossing over it, but seriously, like there are a lot of words written, and I think. Even if there weren't, it's pretty obvious. The fact that it's utility is insane. 
Yes, that that is crucial. <laughs> uh, the Matrix is one that you've shown up in a lot of lists. You have talked about. Uh, I'm hoping that they do one for the Decepticons or wh whatever they want to do, whether it's you know the Anti-Matrix, the Dead Matrix. They have a bunch of them. Um, are you always playing this if you have a leader? At least one, yeah. Is it? Yeah, I find myself unfortunately having to cut like the second and third copies of it out a lot just to fit more right. cards in there. But it's not because I'm scared of playing more than one or anything. Like that. Just because I want to play other cards instead. Because anyone past the first only adds the pips, right? And even though that's really powerful, it's like this card is not a hundred percent necessary to get into play. It's a team. I think this is another card that requires a lot of math to figure out again if that number of actions to kill an opponent really goes up as a result of it and it may facilitate playing more than I usually try to fit two in in most decks that have leaders but like I've unfortunately had to cut down to one a lot of times especially in decks that have like other utilities like Dinobots cars things like that I, I find myself having to cut some of them because I'd rather have the other utility in play Right, and then this is just there for the pips. But any any deck that has an Autobot, we can't imagine not at least one. Yeah, the the utility points. Since we were just mentioning Jaws of Steel, that I have had some where it, it feels utility heavy, um, mm -hmm. and you're overloading yeah. that slot. But at the same time, I think I'm okay strictly playing three of these for the pips because it's never dead. You're no, always I, okay flipping it. Yeah, I mean, I assumed it was a three in every deck, but that was before we saw a full set, and there's just, there can be better options, but I right. would definitely play at least one in almost every, in any deck that has an auto battle. Makes sense. Uh, how do you feel about multi-mission gear and multi-tool? <laughs> the, the weapon one is almost unplayable. Um, <laughs> it has two corner case uh, uses. Um you can play it if you're playing Wheeljack, and I can't really... I forget what my other even reason to play it is. Um, I mean, there might be something down the line, but yeah, right now it's tough to... I don't know. I guess in the, the Megatron Living Weapon build? No, it's not good there either. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to find something. <laughs> I'm just trying. Plus one attack is not worth... Plus one attack is not worth... So, like, because this just gives you the ability to play another another upgrade, I don't understand why you would play this. Why would you just play the other upgrade? I mean, I guess right. to just make your other guy not totally worthless, because presumably it's going to be, like, living Megatron, Megatron Living Weapon, Flame War, something else. And then you could upgrade Flame War so that she can be a little more threatening while also powering up Megatron, since you're on a clock to do that. I don't know if that's good. <laughs> uh, I'm not a huge fan of that deck in general, so I'm, I'm reaching here. Plus one attack is not worth a card slot. That's just all there is to it. That's true. Uh, Multi-mission gear... I'd rather play primary laser. In right. Now the action one, though, uh, somebody else described it very well. Uh, it's extra copies of Brainstorm better than Brainstorm. Well, yes, but it, I guess then Brainstorm's extra copies of this, but you get the same amount of extra actions as a result. It's just not for Thundercracker, but yes. It, yes. I mean, that's where Brainstorm really shines, of course, but 
if your goal is to play two actions in a turn, there you go. <laughs> play these two. Yeah, I like this card a lot. Yeah. For, because for specifically that reason, you mentioned earlier using one of your actions in a turn to duplicate another one, and this allows you to do that. Yep. I do find the implication that some of Soundwave's cassettes are just gear as opposed to people <laughs> a little weird. Yes. I, I, I'm not, I don't remember yeah. this art frame, but it, it's a little little uh, unsettling. <laughs> Understandable. So uh, going beyond those two, Null Ray of Starscream. Uh, I haven't found a lot of builds that I want to play Starscream in. Presumably if I was playing Starscream, I would play this. Um, have you had a lot of success? In a Starscream aggressive deck, this is essentially more than plus three attack. Like I would definitely play it if that deck existed. It just doesn't exist. Right. Maybe down the but line. I mean, if you if you want to play, he's 11 cost for whatever. I, I'd have to do the math on whatever he would do in an aggressive deck. If, if that deck exists, that deck would only exist because of how good this weapon is. The uncommon Starscream. Right. So getting him up to, like, what, five attack, bold four is, like, should be more than 10 or 11 damage, and that's massive. Yeah. And that's that's why you would play that deck, because this weapon on him is good. One other, uh, I guess, odd point for this. I don't understand the artwork. So it's supposed <laughs> to be he's doing... I know I keep calling out artwork, but... So he's, like, sweeping his arms with the null rays, right? But mm -hmm. why is he... He, like, shot at the middle, like, two arms completely straightforward, I guess his hand's touching, came all the way out, and then back to the, to the middle again, or in the reverse. That, that feels like a very strange motion. He's just really fast. I don't know what to tell you. I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It feels like he should have ended with, like, his hands close to, like, the, the very middle blasts are the finishing ones. Or all the way out. You know what I mean? I'm not sure, and I, I thought it disabled his opponents, not, like, allowed him to do more damage, but I guess that's the like killing them, I guess. That's what Yeah. Bold. I don't know. There's uh it, yeah, the the flavor there doesn't quite fit. I mean the the name is there, Null Ray. You would think it would be a disabling thing. I'd have to go look it up. I'll I should have had the tech specs pulled up, but <laughs> Yeah. Oh well. Tech specs had a lot of cool things about some of the weapons and all Well I I'll be honest with you, I and we're gonna Ironhide's laser, I was disappointed it was not the glass gun. Hmm. <laughs> But maybe we'll maybe that's what's going to happen. We'll we'll see more iron hides with more weapons. But anyway, uh, piercing blaster. I know you don't Not like this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost to it too many times, mostly because I'm playing tanks. But piercing blaster just ruins tanks, and it makes me really sad every time. Yeah, just play energon. Yeah, um, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, I've spoken with a bunch of people recently who have said, "Well, I'm going to include it in every deck," and my first thought is. But why? And it's not meant to be insulting, but you could very easily... Most Transformers have one or two defense. Tanks and a few others are exceptions because they have such high defense. And I understand why Pierce is necessary there. But in general, you could just be doing more damage. Yeah. So you could, you know, if you hit 15 damage, who cares if you have Pierce 3? It doesn't matter. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Power it's Sword. Good on, it's, good on, it's good on Mirage. Yes. In the Mirage deck, it's good. Yes. Well, I mean, white pips are kind of important there. But it allows him, in a mostly white deck, to actually do damage, which is what's... Yes. I mean, that that's... <laughs> if you're not doing damage, Mirage untapping doesn't yes. do a whole lot. <laughs> right, right. Um, 
Power Sword's another one that you've spoken at length about. Uh, we did talk about body armor earlier, and this is the reverse of it. Uh, yeah, I just... it's, it's ha- check out the Nemesis Prime deck I built and the and the Dinobot discussion of Power Sword versus Flame. Yep. It's, uh, it's pretty good if you can make it happen. Let's put it that way. Uh, primary Laser, probably not a whole lot to say, other than it's the weapon to judge other weapons by. So you need to be better, or ta- you need to be this tall to ride this ride, is how it goes. Yeah. It, has, it has a use. I mean, it's usually the backup weapon, so it, it's not as bad as people think it is. It's, mm-hmm. it's fine. Yeah. I've definitely put it in decks. Yeah. I mean, I'm, like other cards we talked about, I'm never excited about it, but you got to do what you got to do. The, 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 the real issue that I've noticed is, like, you have to be a deck that can't use Hovercraft, doesn't want to use Iron Ice, doesn't want to use, like, it's, and it's going to be back up to Energon. So, like, right. there's a lot of situations where it's just not going to make the cut because there's just better options. Exactly. But it's not bad. Uh, so, moving on from there, we have Rapid Ascent. Now, I was really, I really loved this card, and I've started to wane on it just because making them discard without, not in a Shockwave build, often hasn't been disruptive enough just because you can't do it follow-up turns, generally. Have you had a lot of success with this, or is it not even making an appearance for you? I like it. Um... It's it's obviously better early because mm. they actually have cards in their hand. They're not playing off the top. Um, it I generally cut it, but it's not terrible. Right. So have I had success? There's been cases where I have, yes, but um, it'll generally get replaced through deck builds. But armor's in a weird place right now, so like mm. it's not bad. It's it, it it's not, it's good for aggressive decks to just randomly gain armor. And it's still advancing their board state, which is preventing your opponent from actually doing things. Um, it's good in shockwave builds, and it has a, an orange pip, so it's not that bad. Right. I know it has a jet on it, but you probably aren't going to want to run it in your plain builds. Yes. It's better in other decks. That's for sure. I uh, in my shockwave list right now, I've been having more success with collateral damage than this. Uh, okay. Both for two for one potential and. It also doesn't quite limit the support transformers. So as opposed to being forced into a ranged character, you just you know play it, make them discard for the same sort of effect, and then also potentially get a two for one. Um, hmm. Okay. To some extent, I mean, they, I'm as I mentioned earlier, shockwave builds are still very much a mystery to me, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, reinforced plating. So you talked a lot earlier about tough. To being a good breakpoint, is this the card that you were talking about? I think it's the yeah, only one that gives I mean, tough two, but <laughs> in in defensive decks, you're definitely going to run this. Yeah, I actually was really surprised. I I guess from playing card games over the years, it's always you know you prefer to have aggressive options than defensive ones because you'd rather be proactive than reactive when possible. So in my head, I'm thinking, well, do I care that much about tough? I could just, you know, play the extra armor, but no, it the extra tough often is worth more than one point per tough. Yes. It's the same argument as bold, except for it's gonna Yeah. But like I said, in my in the back of my head it was, oh well it's not gonna be as good as bold because it's defensive in nature, but it it's turned out that it it definitely makes a difference. Yeah, it's it's a good card. Right. 
Uh, Scrapper Gauntlets is the last of our trifecta for these. This is the one that basically every deck that I build starts off with three of these. Um, and then maybe Drill Arms is the, the other one. Kind of to your point earlier, I, I'm i not usually running Ramming Speed unless I want uh, re more redundancy. It's almost always one of these instead. Um, I used to like this a lot more than I do now. Um, again, they've already attacked with the weapon nine times out of ten. Mm -hmm. So, like, does it matter? Um, you have to bank on your opponent misplaying to make this card fit. So, again, there aren't a lot of like I'd rather like in the defensive deck. I'd I obviously rather play plating and rather play body armor. Um, in an aggressive deck, I probably wouldn't run this anyway. So, I don't know what home this has part of my well i think i mean obviously grenade launcher dodges it inherently i don't think it's unreasonable to be able to to sit on one of these to address an energon axe or something wait i i don't know if it's necessarily the plan scared what was that you're playing scared well i mean yeah <laughs> there is that uh, I've, I mean, it goes way back to when I started playing Magic and Revise. Like, every deck, four disenchants, I don't care. And that, doesn't was, and that was a mistake. That was a mistake. And you're right. And it's Playing scared. Playing scared. It's taken however many years of playing card games that I still haven't been able to break it. <laughs> but, um, no, I see your point. Um, I guess the question is going to come down to, so is your opponent getting two swings out of Energon Axe a crisis or not? Uh, I've been playing a bunch of weird builds and playing against a bunch of weird builds lately, so maybe everything's skewed a little bit, but I've I've found some value in it, but I can see where you're going with it. It's I'd have to really sit down and figure out like, does my deck care if my opponent has a weapon or can I just kill a guy? Right. I have been trying to make more notes personally, not necessarily on this specific thing, but just in general, okay, is this a break point that I care about, just so that I'm not sitting down and redoing it every time I build something. Right. Right. Uh, so here's the uh, the next one's the other half of the Cybertronian bow. Um, I, sadly <laughs> enough, the, the worst half. Um, shock absorbers. Uh, again, an artwork thing. I appreciate that they have run about and run amok on it. There you go. Uh, it's the only, Those are the only Transformers Collectors Club toys that I ever got. It, like the one year that I did it. I think it's like my family got it for me as a gift, and I got run about and run amok. Although they, it's uh, it's run amok and or run about, and they, they renamed them to something silly, but they will forever be run about and run amok to me. Fair, mostly because I remember the toys. They, they were uh, like the pullback ones that would shoot forward. Yes, ratchets on it too. Yep, <laughs> shout out to Ratchet. Um, yep. Static Laser of Ironhide, another one that you wrote an article about, but I'm finding is somehow weaseling its way into a lot more lists over time for me. This this card is going to be something I'm going to talk about in an article later about that whole can you get yourself over that point where it's going to make the the like you're going to change the number of turns and actions that you got your opponent because mm -hmm. this is such a giant number. Again, I know it's a backup to Energon Axe because it has the same numbers on it. Yeah, obviously, it's easier to play. It has the better pip. Right. Um, you don't really necessarily want to take two damage to yourself, but you might be able to change the math heavily 
in certain situations. I just have to figure out what those are. One place that I am going to be trying this in is actually in Insecticons, which sounds crazy because they have oh, no, so it's little great help. There. Well, it's great it, there with Ransack. Yeah, and well, even on potentially other ones, because they are so fragile, taking two damage is almost irrelevant because you're yep. you're going to die next turn anyway. So get it in now while you can. Exactly. You're. That's exactly the point of what I'm trying to figure out. Exactly. With this, like... M- Mag- magnum opus article i'm trying to figure out like that's exactly the point like what you said right there right you know there's there's guys with a lot of hit points where taking two isn't going to matter there's guys with a little hit points where taking two again isn't going to matter depending on what your opponent is doing it's going to be a card that if you have it in your deck you have to know when to play it based on some of these things and then i think this is what's going to separate I guess you could say like tournament players from casual players, good players from average players, knowing these things. Right. Um, so I think it, I think good players will find a way to use this really effectively. One thing that, and this is not to reiterate or repeat exactly what you just said, but the separation play skill wise, where someone is going to see that line of play and map it out in their head four turns from now. This is how the damage is going to play out on each of these characters based on the information they have. And being able to choose the appropriate line of play is going to win and lose people tournaments. Win and lose people even kitchen table games. And that's actually really cool to me that, you know, it's maybe not clairvoyance, but that somebody can see, (laughs) well, I guess I'm defining clairvoyance, but see into the future enough to predict those things is amazing to me and i know i can't do it with consistency so i can appreciate it when other people can yeah i'm still trying to work it out but uh, but but this is one of the cards that that is the reason why i think that theory exists right so uh moving on from there is one of the promo cards tandem targeting system i think you had i know i talked to somebody and they said they weren't a huge fan of this was it you or was it someone else yeah, I think this card's severely overrated. It, I don't like having to spend three slots in my deck to get plus one on two different guys. I already told you plus one, period, mm-hmm. on a card. Like, getting one damage out of something. Yeah. Um. So, getting, quote, two damage out of something in two different ways and taking up two slots is also not worth it, so... I'm I was, not a huge fan of this card at all. Yeah, I was very excited for it when it first was spoiled because... Again, action-based economy, well, I get to cheat that by playing it for free. I'm going to be dumping cards into the scrap pile anyway. Uh, I've definitely soured on it over time. I think, I just wish it was more readily available like all the other promos, even if the card's bad. Kitchen table players, casual players, whatever term you want to use, somebody's going to want to play it. And all of the promos right now are, are absurd prices on, say, eBay. And I don't think that's a reasonable thing for something like this it's because it has to be played from your hand otherwise jetfire would like this card oh my god do you know how many times i've in in testing i go oh jetfire back oh i can't do that even that's not completely like broken or anything it's just a good should should happen i think it's worth you know avoiding that simply because presumably they're going to have other things that trigger off of the uh upgrades coming into play so yeah. you just want to mm-hmm. head that off, at yeah, least for now. Fine. It's fine. Right. I just, it, it's a corner case that I think would not have made the card in that would have made it more. Right. 
Yeah, I'm sure it was a future-proofing thing, but I agree with you. At this yeah. point, I'm I'm okay leaving this in the binder for now. Yeah. Uh, here's another one that doesn't have me super excited in thermal weaponry. Um, it's another Pierce thing. I had initially thought it would work in tanks. You're already running a bunch of blues. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I think this is better than your Shreds card. <laughs> well, it probably is, but it, it completely... The main reason I, I, well, not the main reason, but one of the reasons I like the Treads card is because it is in the utility slot, so I can have that and a weapon. That's fair. It, it, it's not a great reason, admittedly, but it, it's a reason. Um, I don't, I, I don't know. About I think, I think generic four wide decks like this card. Really? Yeah, because they, they can, they can run a mix of cards and then the Pierce, generally four wide decks have, have low. So, like, they can use this as a backup weapon to guarantee small amounts of damage, and that's, in a, in four wide decks, you generally want to be doing small amounts of damage. I don't think it's that bad. That's reasonable. I could see that. It, uh, I don't know. It, it... I can see Insecticon maybe wanting this card, to be honest with you, because, like, they may not need, they may be doing, they may be in overkill situations off, and this may help them. That's possible. I'd have to, I'd have to look at my list and see whether there's room kind of thing. Because a lot yeah. of this, it, and everybody out there listening, just to preface things, we're talking about these lists or we're talking about, oh, well, the Insecticon build or, oh, the Dinobots build. There isn't one true build yet. So don't, it, when we say this stuff, it, take it with a grain of salt that, you know, there's still a lot in flux at this point. Um, yeah. How do you feel about uh, Super Commando RC? What, adding this on top of RC? No, I mean, like, the, the, the artwork, yeah. Because RC, and I know you you haven't read the comics, RC has a lot of very unique and really awesome arcs. Oh, cool. Yeah, so she's a, it's not the, the G1 character, uh, both from her inception and even where she ends up now. And she has, a, like, a lot of really cool moments. Hmm. I but, just thought she was replaced by Windblade, so that's cool. Yeah, that... <laughs> <laughs> No, she uh, she definitely gets her time in the spotlight. Okay. Um, so turbo boosters. Um, you played in cars. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's 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 as weird as it is to say. It's probably just as meta defining. Talked about. Right. Yeah, it's, it's extremely uh, powerful. The fact that it's utility better. Hmm. Um, the fact that it's an equipment allows you to get it with treasure hunt. Um. The fact that it's a utility upgrade allows you to combo with Wheeljack. It's amazing. Yeah. I. It's one of those things that anybody who plays the game and goes, oh, there's a card deck. This obviously goes in it. It, it looks really strong. It untaps a character. But until you witness some of the really mean things that somebody can do with this or set up for really blowout turns, it, it may escape someone. So it definitely... Take the chance to either watch somebody play it or play against it or play with it a few times and just you'll start to see these things unravel and it it can get really unfair really quickly. Yeah, the fact that it's plus one attack is just ridiculous. I'm not sure that was necessary. I'll be honest. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I don't know if it were, I, I and orange it and an orange bib. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> it, it's really good. 
So uh, that actually concludes all of the upgrades. Uh, as we talked about We've been before. We've talking for a long time. Yes, we have. So I'm not going <laughs> to take up all of Scott's night. Um, I definitely have stuff i got to get ready for. Like I said, I have an event tomorrow. I haven't even decided what I'm going to play. Um, but everybody out there, definitely check out VectorSigma.info. Definitely check out randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. You can find all our contact info there or see it on the rotating banners. Uh, definitely hit us up with feedback. Let us know what you want to see, what you want to see us improve on, what you want to hear more about, blah, blah, blah. All that fun stuff. Like, subscribe, because it really does give us information to tell us, oh, well, people like this one. They tuned in more, so they want to know more about this thing. So that way we can try and tailor content. So yeah, I, and, was, and and some people have said like you know and obviously we've done the reviews the shows will be more condensed so mm, exactly yep. so uh, I guess we'll close up shop there thanks Scott thanks for joining me as always I appreciate it yep. thanks for having me and uh, everybody tune in next time for some more random thoughts talk to you. <laughs>